0: Everybody. My name is James D. Fiore, and this is Blackball. He is a friend of the show. You know him. I know him. But you know who else knows him? Legacy media outlets in Canada. Legacy media outlets in Canada have helped themselves to the trough of information that my guest today has provided for them, and he's done it all for free. Now, Does the CBC, does the CTV owe this person anything? Probably not. But I can think of one person who probably does. In fact, I would go out on a limb and say this person certainly does. And we will talk about him once I introduce my guest today. And his name is David Wallace. David, how are you? Uh, Can't complain. And uh, yourself? I probably can, but I won't. Um... I just want to go through a quick uh, slides, I guess you would call them, just to show everyone the extent of uh, the media coverage that you have not just gotten, but basically the stories that you've supplied to the media in Canada during 2022. The Western Standard, uh, let's open with the Western Standard, (laughs) because they're... They threatened to sue you. I, I'm pretty sure nothing came of that. They wanted a whopping four thousand um, dollars for something that they still can't really explain. So that's that. This is like your. This is sort of like a history of your of your relationship with the media for over the last year. This is the CBC lawsuit over story of Russian bribe plot targeting Nenshi is frivolous, say defendants. Those defendants are Shane and Edith Wenzel, who are suing you for a million dollars. Alleged plot against former Mayor Nenshi to show corruption failed, alleged fixer says. And the Wenzel put out a family statement that says, the accusations made about our family in the Canada Land article are wildly inaccurate. And on the advice of our legal team, we plan to immediately commence legal action to clear our name. At no time were we involved in the alleged plot against former Mayor Nenshi Nahid Nenchi, we joined the former mayor in his call for a police investigation. Yeah, uh, I guess I shouldn't say anything about that. Um, And then uh, Fixer says former Alberta justice minister hired him to get reporters' phone logs. Now, the interesting um, thing about you is that right away, the the editors and journalists and reporters that knew of you were like, "Uh, I don't know, I don't know, dude, I don't know and missed out on a boatload of stories that you told us in the beginning of last year or towards the spring or whatever, that all turned out to be true, (laughs) right? But they're so vain that they couldn't bring themselves to call you back as a source or anything like that, even though time proved them to be incorrect about you. i i I spoke with you when i was living in cream in the summertime we had the same conversation many times and i stand by it which is that i don't condone or 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 even kind of understand why editors in legacy media outlets don't understand what you are and what that is is a whistleblower who blew the whistle on things that you were not Not just that you had knowledge of, but were involved in, it created a paradox, maybe even subconsciously, in the minds of editors, that you were not credible, which is which is weird because they're supposed to be smarter than that. If you blow the whistle on something, it doesn't negate credibility if you blow it on yourself and the things that you do along with the others that you did them with. It actually enhances it, right? You turned your back. You turned your back on a life that you knew for decades when, let's just be specific, when you were asked to hand over a human being to the fucking cult known as the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church. And you said, I may have done things in my life that I'm not proud of in hindsight, but one of them is certainly not kidnapping. That's
1: hitting in the word.
0: What has this year been like for you? You see all these stories flash and everything. You know, tell me what it was like from the from let, let's start from the day that you met richard march in the context of i'm not going to hand you over
1: uh well that was uh that was 2021 and uh, i wouldn't do it um and basically since 2021 things have started to slide downhill um uh, can't fight city hall, so to speak. And and that's the problem. My clients, um, um, they don't like being told no. And one of the big problems that you brought up about legacy media, they knew all too well my credibility. You see, in many cases in legacy media, um, when you go further up the elevator to the top, these people were my clients. So they didn't want to go anywhere near me because they didn't want to get any on them. So that might explain a little bit more um, uh, because the stories that broke were vetted. Uh, they've been broken. They've been proven demonstrably. I mean, look, even that fat clown Ford, his, uh, his, uh, his uh, chief bag or apple polisher, whatever his public relations person might have been called, um, they didn't even contest that it was real. Yep, absolutely. Real communications. Yep. Move on. See,
0: yeah. and, and, guys, and it's if They weird. don't talk
1: about it. It doesn't exist.
0: That's right. But but notice the media's lack of follow-up. You know? It's like it's only good for the, those days that days clicks or that week's scrum and once they give a non-answer for a specific story like that one um, and, and refresh our memories. I have a hard time explaining that one. Uh, th- this is the one that Press Progress broke, correct? About Doug Ford. Yeah, that was,
1: uh, I was asked by a, a group of individuals with very strong connections to the uh, Ontario government to make some introductions. Um, so I did. Uh, I had the same sort of pressure over in Russia, uh, people asking me if I could make those introductions for them. And through back channels, uh, the Premier's uh, at the time, one of his advisors, I was able to uh, arrange a meeting of the minds, so to speak. And prior to that, I was also uh, able to supply intelligence to members of uh, the Premier's staff in terms of uh, activities that were being taken uh, both for and against them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um- and then let's I want to move on because I wanted to save it for last um by the way I have the GoFundMe link David's GoFundMe link I'm gonna actually put David's GoFundMe and then that link Um, and the GoFundMe page that's basically the reason why we're doing this podcast tonight and um, I have no shame saying that either and the reason why the reason why is because normally I I don't make friends with the subjects that I cover. Um, But 2022 was just a different year all around. I had known you uh, in your role as a um, political operative, let's just say during the Patrick Brown stuff. We even shared a laugh when I realized that you worked me like three years later. (laughs) I realized that. And I was fine with that. Because of what you did last year for Richard Marsh, who also became one of my friends. So the reason why we're doing this podcast is as follows. David was sued after this pod series came out by Canada Land and by Jesse Brown. Ratfucker. Confessions of a Dirty Tricks operative. Now that podcast series resulted in the lawsuit that the Wenzels, Edith and Shane Wenzel of Shane Holmes, launched against Canada Land, Jesse Brown, Prem Singh, yourself. Was there someone else I'm forgetting here, or is that basically it?
1: But your baker, candlestick maker, whoever. I, I'm not aware of anybody else.
0: So, now here is my, di- not my dilemma, but the thing that bothers me more than anything is as follows. Jesse Brown produced a pod series that basically was the top pod series. And I still haven't confirmed this because I really finding it really fucking difficult to confirm how you find the best podcast series or most watched of or downloaded or whatever of 2022. I, I can't really find that, but I have, and I can't find the article that said that it was like top three at the time that it came out, but whatever, who fucking cares? It was a top fucking podcast. You, he made money. Jesse Brown made money from it. It did well. It was a good series. You know, um, it, it, I have no beefs with the series except for the fact that he never cited any of the work that I did throughout the entire series when it was mostly based on my work. But other than that, I thought it was a great series. Now, Jesse Brown and Candleland get sued for a million dollars. What do they say? I don't have it in front of me, but to paraphrase, we back up all of the work that we put out in Ratfucker, which basically means, for those playing along at home, that... They were co-signing the work, that the the information that you gave them, backing up the information by saying, we're not retracting. We're not taking it down. This is factual information. Now, this is where it gets shitty as far as I'm concerned. You get sued along with Jesse Brown and Candleland for a million bucks. Normally in a situation like, like this, similar to this, where a media company hires or, or builds a product around information that a source or a reporter gives them, they will then protect that source or reporter in, in case of lawsuits. This one was a no-brainer. And if Jesse Brown, if you're listening, like, I don't know what your argument would be against it, but you are backing up the information David provided to give you your probably award-winning podcast, the popularity that it got, but you won't... Help him in the court of law when you're getting sued with him. What the fuck is that about? There was there was a reporter, I believe, it was for the National Post. I forget her name. Someone wants to look it up; they can. I need a Jamie like Joe Rogan has. I need a fucking guy doing stuff. But um, <laughs> but <coughs> I, I ha- the only time I have a guy doing stuff on my podcast is when I'm really high on Fridays. But you know, I should have one now. But um, the wow. now I now I've lost my own train of thought. Um, oh. The National Post reporter went onto a flight post 9-11 with box cutters to see if she could do it for a story that she did for post media. When she was charged, guess who took her place in court? Post media. You give Jesse Brown all of the information that that motherfucker needs to create a dope podcast series that he gets sued over, but says he's not retracting because all the info is legit and he doesn't back you up. Yep. Could you expand on that for those that are at home? Like, did you ever talk to Jesse about it? Did he say anything to you about it?
1: When the lawsuit, uh, when the lawsuit hit, he told me flat out that, uh, you know, they couldn't be seen to be uh, providing me legal help, that it would be just a bunch of mumbo jumbo. So what it comes down to is it's, uh, you know, uh, I got no beef with Jesse except for the fact that, you know, to me, I I wouldn't do that to somebody.
0: Well, Okay. I have a beef with jesse on your behalf because not only did he do that he also then and and he's he'll probably spin this by saying well, i was just trying to do him a favor but the whole movie pause thing they oh, where, yeah, he set up, yeah. where he set up a meeting with a production company to get the story of your life and i remember warning you i was like i'm not sure if you're surprised by this or not david but hollywood producers are not the most ethical people No, you see, the thing was, when I did
1: this, it wasn't for money. I had all the money I needed. I mean, if I could collect the money that the bastards I used to work for owe me, you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I'd just be starting again. But the truth of the matter was, it was never about the money. So I mean, you know, he gets this uh, storied media group, they talk, yeah, we're going to great do something. Well, whatever. But um this is the reason you, nothing you, changes yeah. right because these uh champions you know who want to get the truth out but when their feet get to the fire they don't want to touch any get yeah. away from me
0: yeah um did you ever talk directly to jesse brown about getting a lawyer and what did he say
1: oh he said he might be able to make some recommendations um called lawyers um, but those lawyers yeah he, you know recommendation and uh you know if you got our retainer we're all set to go so and uh, i'm sorry but i'm a little bit light these days
0: is that what he said well uh, that's yeah i mean oh. he
1: gave me he gave me i'm just saying for me i can't come up with retainers he's getting, he can give me names but uh no i can get names out of a phone
0: book yeah it's just not ethical like how do you on one hand cosign? Everything you gave him, how does he cosign everything you gave him? And then on the other hand, not protect you after publishing the info that he's backing up that you gave him. I I mean,
1: I think that's a pretty good warning. Maybe anybody else who might consider um, an overture towards speaking with them. Um, Yeah. I I, don't see how I could, I, I don't see how anybody would under those circumstances, but you never know.
0: Just to be clear, media companies are not obligated to protect their sources or their reporters when something like this happens, but they most of the time do. What's really funny is that you and I represent the small minority of people that this has happened to, (laughs) because this happened to me in 2004. Everyone's heard the story. I won't bore you with it, or I'll give you the quick version. I proposed voting multiple times in an election. I pitched it to Now Magazine. They, they got their lawyers on the phone with me. Lawyers like, what are you going to do? I told them I'm going to go to three different police stations. I'm going to vote at one and I'm going to reject the other two ballots after they give me the ballots to vote for. And they said, okay. And that's what I did. And then. Dude, the UCP needs you. Right. And then now Magazine um, decided that, uh, like, I, then I got charged. And by the way, I got charged because I confessed in a letter to the editor in the Toronto Star. It wasn't because they caught me. And then in order to get uh, actually charged with evidence after that, I had to sit down with CSIS, who was following me for like a week. I had to sit down with them and confess. Yes, that's the ballot I spoiled. Cause if I didn't do that, they wouldn't have been able to charge me. It was this whole thing. But anyways, when it went to court, I had to subpoena now magazine cause they wouldn't have my back. And then they got up on the stand and then they said this like 25 times. I, I don't recall. I don't recall. I don't recall. I don't recall my lawyers like and it's funny because I was basically the lawyer I was handing him the questions. Right. He's like, do you not recall having a telephone call with James the day before the election with your now magazine lawyers where he explained exactly what he would do? I, 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 I don't recall. Bitch totally perjured herself. One hundred percent. Ellie Kirzner was her name. Anyways, um, so I know what it's like to feel the thing. And by the way, the reason why now magazine did it, which is a totally different reason. It's it's just as cheap, though, was because they didn't realize when they gave me the gig and published the story that that kind of story um, would appeal to conservatives who want people who wanted at the time people to have to show ID at the polls because at the time you didn't have to. And so now magazine realizes this and was like, oh, shit, well, we can't back up the far right journalist who, who is, uh, you know, and, and by the way, I didn't know it was that kind of issue either so we're both in the dark and they threw me under the bus because they didn't want to go against their uh, brand or their image your case is 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 bizarre to me because there's none of that in it Um, it was almost like Jesse Brown was afraid of the blowback if people found out that he gave his lawyer to the source that he was co-signing by publishing and not retracting the pod series
1: seems to be to me i mean uh, yeah I, I can't think of any other particular reason
0: okay uh take off your shirt david so that you'll raise more money for the gofund <laughs> <laughs> you know all
1: kidding aside i mean i gotta be honest um these people um the evidence speaks for itself um but the way laws are set up in alberta if you cannot get into court and defend yourself, you're not gonna win regardless. And that's why these people continue to be able to pull off the outrageous things that they do, such as planning the overthrows of duly elected mayors, um, deciding for themselves how we will live and where our children will go to school and how much money we'll get for health care. This is a consequence. And as unpleasant as it is to say, if we don't get to court, we don't have money to fight then there is no fight and that means just like uh, for the people who lament uh, who's sitting in the premier's chair in ontario today or in alberta well get out and vote and um this is the way we do it we vote we vote with our dollars and we do it to or conversely if you happen to be an extremely talented litigator a lawyer and you live in alberta and you're sick of it well then hey pro bono that that's even better than cash so um you know i'm not looking to money to pay my rent or pay my bills we're doing okay we're not uh, we're not we're not getting ahead but we're not sinking anymore and uh but as far as legal fees go uh, i can't do it
0: yeah i I, listen i I know i'm going to sound like a telethon but i really don't fucking care um i know a lot of you out there um follow david David is one of those interesting Twitter accounts where he doesn't have a shit ton of followers, but your engagement is ridiculous. Like you have the engagement of a person with a half million followers. Like, a lot of intelligence
1: people on there too.
0: Yeah, no, I know. Like That's when you point. put, and now that you have um, developed a reputation for being accurate since you became a whistleblower, since the, um, the like basically everything that you said has uh, materialized. And even the things that you didn't really say, but were like, you just relayed the information. Well, at the time, he said that he wanted Justin Trudeau gone by any means necessary. And that's just what he said, right? Or the Richard Marsh situation where you were careful, at least by letting them know, listen, they wanted me to hold a person, a human being in a spot when I found him until the cult people got there to collect him. (laughs) I ain't doing that, you said. Right. Like you had, you had a red line and they crossed it and it it speaks to a lot of things, but first and foremost, the power of scumbags behind the scenes to be, able, you know what I mean? Like the, the people that you used to call your clients, like, are you at all surprised of what's no. happening? Of oh, what no, doing?
1: not at all. No, I know. Uh, I know probably some of the firms that they called right away to try to defend themselves and try to, uh, try to salvage some of this situation. I mean, uh, a lot of them, a lot of them in Ottawa, a lot of them in uh, Ontario, uh, a lot of them in the United States. I mean, I know their phones rang because I went off the uh, farm, so to speak.
0: Yeah. Um, Give us an idea of what lawyers have told you that you've actually been able to speak with.
1: Well, they, they can't believe the, um, the individuals in question are proceeding with this lawsuit. Um, um, they've seen what I have, they've heard what I have and they find it highly improbable that, uh, um, they, they just, they can't fathom why the other side would go through with this. Yeah. And I said, because they've got lots of money and they can spend me into oblivion. That's why.
0: Yeah. Is it, do you ever like, even if it's cynical and fleeting regret, blowing the whistle
1: i regret some of the things that have happened but i don't regret my decision because there was no decision i am not a killer i'm not a kidnapper it's
0: had not- anyone had anyone ever asked you to do something that drastic before not including your not including your russia days
1: not to kill anybody not to kidnap them locate people uh, objects money um merchandise sure but never hunt a human being
0: Mm -hmm. no how long were you on Richard's trail before you found him I found him in three hours (laughs) really Mm.
1: I stretched out a few weeks to get the cash they were paying me I think it was 10 G's a week but since they were bastards you're like a graphic designer of political
0: operatives. Graphic well, designers. they weren't ready. They, they claimed
1: that they had uh, warrants to be served on this guy. So, okay, I'll find them. Do you have your warrants? Not yet. Keep looking for them. I didn't figure it was uh, that big a deal to stretch it out a little bit since they didn't even have their paperwork. And then, But finally, I said, okay, I got them, guys. Like, what do we do? Here's the proof. What do you want me to do? And that's when they told me they didn't have any warrants. And, well, the rest is history. And like I said, I'm not a kidnapper.
0: Yeah, no, I know. And the, the, um, the edges of that sort of like crowd. And when I mean that crowd, I mean like, you know, the, the, the conservative sort of swamp of operatives and fixers and former politicians and lawyers and all that kind of stuff. Um, some of that shrapnel started to hit, um, me. Uh, especially after that horrendous story of uh, your stuff getting illegally stolen from your place and then urinated on yeah. um, by, uh, by, by Mike Tarigno, who admitted it in an email and in several messages, at least someone purporting to be Mike Tarigno. But, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go by if that. If it way. wasn't written in
1: crayon, we still have our doubts.
0: Yeah, that's right. I still get messages to this day from sock puppet accounts. That are like, I want to go on your show and talk about pee. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, 4Kids Flashback. 4Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. Right? And then I found out through the grapevine that you know who likes to impersonate uh, his friends? Jonathan a- Dennis. Allegedly, yes. Allegedly, yes. So the theory from this person that I have that used to be a part of that social circle is that it's either Mike Tarrigno on Coke just being an idiot, or it's Jonathan Dennis posing as Mike Tarrigno. So now whenever I get messages... tend to be a man too, so there yeah. you go. Now whenever I get messages purporting to be from Mike Tarigno, I'm always like, Hey, did you know that Jonathan Dennis calls you his little sock puppet? Like his little plaything? Are you his little play thing? I think gets so mad. <laughs> he gets so angry at I me. Mean, but I don't know what else to do. Like he wants, I keep on telling, he, he always opens a conversation with, let's, let me go on your show and talk about piss. And I'm like, okay. And then he's like, and then he always do, like ends up retreating into, yeah, why don't you post all those lies about me and I'll sue you for sport. And I'm like, how about this? I'll let you sue me. Okay. Come on my show. I'll call you anything you want. I'll allow you to be litigious, but I'll only do it on my show and you won't do it. So I don't know what that is, but these are the people that you're, that, that you're dealing with. And by the way, these are not like nobody's behind the scenes. I'm not talking about Torregno, but I'm talking about the other people. Like they're not nobody's behind the scenes in Alberta politics. In fact, you could largely say that they make up a large part of the underpinnings of the dirty politics that exists in Alberta. Isn't that absolutely? Fair?
1: You got, you got, uh, you know, basically this is organized crime. That's what it was. I don't care what you want to call it. These are people who have the courts, the police, the, uh, uh right on into the, uh, uh, government headquarters in Edmonton. These guys have got their fingers in every pie. They're, these are the power players. People have seen the photographs. They've seen the business connections, the friendships, the, uh, the crazy stuff is, but uh, listen, at the end of the day, Alberta is turning into a tin pot, third world lunacy farm. And largely because individuals like uh, Captain Piss and and and, and hairplugs and all the rest of them, these are your guys who are these are your guys who are calling the shots. And they yeah. got that slap lawsuit, which allows them to basically shut anybody unless you got buckets of cash look even the former mayor then she had to crowd raise funds so he could defend himself yeah uh, these guys just have too much money
0: yeah that that's true too um also i think i think it's um kind of worth pointing out um, something that i discovered i don't know if i've ever mentioned this on air before i'll be careful with how i word it i had another friend who coincidentally was sued by uh, one of these one of the people that owns the restaurant let's just put it like that for now who and that friend reminded me when I mentioned Jonathan Dennis's name he's like dude you don't remember Jonathan Dennis and I'm like what are you talking about he's like do you remember coming to Calgary Stampede in 2010 I'm like yeah he's like do you remember doing a shit ton of blow while you were here I'm like yeah he's like do you remember coming up to me and being like, "Is it weird that the fattest guy here has all the blow?" And I'm like, "I remember that." He's like, "Guess who that was?" And I'm like, "You're fucking kidding." He's like, "No." He's like, "You've done allegedly. I've done blow apparently with uh, with the former um, justice minister of Alberta when he was just a lawyer, I guess." And I had no idea. <laughs> apparently, there's pictures not of the blow doing, but of standing there. And I remember him. You know what I remember the most about Jonathan Dennis? He was like, he's one of those guys, I guess. Like when I was fat, I wore like baggy shit, you know? Because I didn't want to be the guy with the shirt that was too small. So I wore baggy shit. I remember Jonathan Dennis mostly because the bottom button sticking out of his dress pants was undone and his belly was hanging out. And I was like disgusted and mortified that the guy I had to bum cocaine off of all night was that guy. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Allegedly. Right. Allegedly. Yeah. So anyways, the point is, is that um, it, it's funny because it's almost like everyone knows the people that run things and the people behind the scenes. And it's everyone too. It's like from, from, you know, from Danielle Smith to like Alan Holman to like the former justice minister, Jonathan Dennis, to these like shady lawyers and all of this shit and Every fucking buddy that I talk to knows they're dirty. Simultaneously, no one will do anything about it because they are afraid of them.
1: With good reason. I mean, besides the general clown-like behavior of these people, those are the dum-dums in the group. But the people like Holman, they're not stupid, okay? They may have whatever else going on in their life, but we're not talking about idiots. And the people above them, the chapurs of the world, the... Uh, Uh, the people that defend uh, uh, multi-national criminal empires such as the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church. Because let's get this straight. The Plymouth Brethren Christian Church is an international crime syndicate, Mm -hmm. okay? That's what it is. It extorts money from their parishioners and it it forces labor through this prison of self-belief that these people have into contributing to a don, So it's an international criminal organization, but people like Chapur. Now, that's where you get really, really into the weeds, because Gerald Chapur is one of the wheels that makes fascism possible in this country. Money that flows in these cults, these these far, far, far. We're not even going to call them right wing. These are people who are straight up uh, um, control freaks who want us praying in churches while they clean out our bank accounts. I mean, that's what we're talking about. It's a criminal empire and Alberta's the hub.
0: Yeah. And it's, um, and, and I just, not to belabor the point, but if it wasn't for David Wallace, um, we would know a fraction of what we know about the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church. If anything, it was you and Richard Marsh linking, um, you guys taking your dossier of communications and creating the Klondike papers. All of the stories that came out of that, my ability to speak to any of the ex and now sitting members, quietly, of the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church um, is all from the tree of David Wallace. (laughs) It really is. And isn't it creepy,
1: James, that when you look under the surface, not even that deep, you see the the tendrils of this cult spread out in Ontario, in Quebec, all over Canada now. I mean, we're talking about with premiers, we've seen the the excellent WordPress progress did tracing back contracts to, what was it, Saskatchewan with uh, Alberta, with Ontario. I mean, this is uh, this is scary stuff.
0: Yeah, it really is. I'm going to I'm going to uh, hold on a second. I'm going to post that link again some people have uh have uh have donated a little bit of money and that's great listen guys i'm not gonna like get mad at you for not like spending money um it's just that it is so important and if, if you can like afford it it would be awesome because um a lot of people have been really awesome and and but they're in the same position
1: as me they're little people yeah. we're here and and we have a belief and and it it, it almost feels like <clears throat> unless you're willing to get on your knees and accept this bullshit. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're out of luck and, and cause pretty soon, pretty soon, if someone such as myself who has broken these stories, which have all proven to be demonstrably true, mm-hmm. um, if they can shut me up with my reputation, with the information I have brought, what hope does any,
0: do any of us have? Yeah, really? no, you know, exactly. And it's and that's why that's why it's when you said the tentacles of this cult, I, you know, I start thinking of um, of things that I didn't know before you and Richard Marsh came into my life. I didn't know that Stephen Harper had such a cozy relationship with this cult. I didn't know that Stephen Harper swore on a cult Bible when he was uh, when he was taking the oath of office. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I didn't know that um, Pierre Polyev was a. Um, You know who is he business partners with, Mr. Jonathan Dennis. Right, Um, and does Jonathan Dennis have refresh my memory? Does he have any connections to that to the cult?
1: You know, I I I don't know, and um, I I really, I mean, would be like
0: Gerald Shapur would be the connecting tissue between those. Gerald Shapur is the legal counsel, and uh, another thing that I learned from you was the existence of a man named Gerald Shapur, who is the cult lawyer. Who just so happened to be the lawyer of prime minister stephen harper at one time who was the lawyer of ezra levant at one time who was the general counsel of the conservative party of canada at one time it's not like gerald Shapur goes from the pmo to the cult without any overlap happening as far as business goes i would be very very surprised to find out that maybe once in a while jerry doesn't make a call to sort of hook up, you know, the best avenue to go get a contract from the government just off the top of my head, you know, like, Absolutely. That's how it
1: works. It's about money. I mean, uh, all of these guys are fervent believers in their cause, but if they have a chance to make money, well, they'll put their beliefs aside momentarily and hold their nose.
0: Yeah. If you guys ever have a chance to Google, uh, Google, like Gerald Shapur, um, sermon, I don't know if something like that, you can find on youtube like a pretty like he he says something to the effect of well the point of government is that the people once it gets too big should be allowed to kill it absolutely And then he quotes like script. Then yeah then he's quoted scripture like right on the heels of that and you're like okay like you know
1: well look at their cool. message it's powerful ezra levant the money for, for things such as rebel magazine that flows in from certain sources, and those sources are all coming from the same tributaries that Gerald Chapur is bringing into this country. Rebel media is able to get its message across. It's able to do these things because they are 100% bought and paid for by this group of individuals, all right? Ethical oil, it's all the same, it's all the same thing. They're all connected.
0: Yeah, and and the the just like uh, Dean Blundell on the Dean Blundell show last week, I was on uh, with Callan Robertson, I believe his name was, who was a former Rebel News uh, reporter, who gave us all of the inside scoop of what it was like to apply for the job to work uh, for Rebel News, and the things that he was saying was it's hilarious because if someone put a gun to your head, you'd probably guess <laughs> similar to what he told us. But he said, even in the job interview, all Ezra was doing was like, basically he's saying, well, first you rattle the cages of these people who get angry at that. And then you put the system in place, you make a lot of money. And then you take this issue and you make a lot of money. And then that issue, you make a lot of money. And, and this guy's sitting here because he's a true believer at the time. And he's like, well, what about protecting free speech? And it was almost like Ezra looked at him and was like, what? What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, they don't. They don't. They're they're grifters. They they are pure grifters, and 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 that's all they are. And this this machine, um, that they have, and I guess you'd say the Western Standard and Rebel Media, certain aspects of post media like Brian Lilly and people like that, they are basically just hired guns, uh, for cons- provincial and federal conservative parties. That's pretty much all they are.
1: It's it's an extended lobbying group. Is is exactly what it is. It's a, it's like an infomercial. You may think you're watching a show but what you're doing is you're watching a promotional vehicle paid for by the very individuals who seek to take away your right to free speech they champion it but yeah. you see that's the bait for the people who don't actually read the fine print they they are working extremely hard to win the next federal election so they can take your right to free speech away
0: yeah it's it's weird because there there is a um there's a part of me that like really Um, understands and is interested in ideological publications that are not motivated by profit, but by the ideology. And I never thought I would find um, a villain worse than that until you realize that the ones that do it for profit Mm -hmm. are so much worse than the ones that do it for ideology. Absolutely. So much worse absolutely
1: and that's the situation we have and that's uh that's another thing that we're up against uh the the mouth organs the media that is owned and controlled and i'm not even talking about the main mainstream i'm talking about in this instance uh, your rebel magazines your your western toilet whatever you want to call it um (laughs) these these rags these these so-called news organizations these are the bulldozers that these clowns use and, and, uh, more and more, these voices are, are finding favor and yeah. it's, pro- it's for-profit populism. That's what it is. It's not popular.
0: It's for-profit populism. I, I learned about some of this stuff when I was working at the post-millennial and I, I was there not too long after it launched. I knew what they were when I started working for them and I was just like, I need the money, but I didn't ever actually have to, like no one ever said, I want you to write this issue and I want you to write it from this angle. In fact, in a way I was largely like the token moderate or whatever you want to call it. Um, But then I did notice that uh, they were taking less of my stuff because it was sort of mid-range. And then one of the founders actually told me uh, he's not there anymore, but he, I, I'll spare telling you his name, but he, he's a good guy. He's not there anymore. He's actually used to be an NDP guy before he went there, but he, he needed the job. But he did tell me, he's he said that the, uh, the Canada Proud guys and the executives of um, the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario after the Patrick Brown thing approached the founders and were like, uh, if you publish James, we're done talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they said. They wouldn't, and I got banned from the uh the Conservative Party convention. That Ford ended up becoming leader, and all this stuff. And I was like, "Why?" And they're like, "Because they said you can't be controlled." That's what they said. And I'm like, "Well, they're right." <laughs> this is funny. At least they know who I am. You know, like it, it was weird. It, it was it was odd, but yeah, you know. And that was right at the beginning. Now the post millennial is just another same thing. They're 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 grifters. They do it for profit. Yeah, that's why it's so much worse. Like I've seen them do things like um, you know how like people uh, speak in third person or when Justin Trudeau's one time said something to the effect of uh he was talking about something else and then he said something like and then they stand there and they say we don't want to fight climate change, we don't want to do this, we don't want to do that. And so post millennial clipped that clip where just what did Justin Trudeau say? exclamation point? We don't want to protect the climate we don't want to do this and then that was the clip what is he hiding Da da, da and all that kind of stuff and i was like holy fuck. like it's so blatant so i posted the video underneath it like the full video and it was like they had all these like um hired you know idiots to like come in and be like fucking trudeau lover and i'm like but you just i'm just saying that the video is not fake and no one listened and th- that's the machine Right, that's the grifter that's machine, the machine. That, make, that makes money off of ideology, and it also
1: puts a lot of people in trucks and cars and uh, on foot and bouncy castles, and it puts them into uh, positions where they're left holding the stinky end of the stick, where the Ezra's and the rest of that media, well, they're over here counting the money they've made selling their product.
0: Yeah, if I profess my love to Marie Hanine, do you think she'll be her lawyer? Mm.
1: Not. Well, she's uh certainly a brilliant litigator and uh oof, yeah
0: yeah she's, a, she's
1: she... a brilliant one
0: i think i might let her kill me if i just had nothing left in life i'll just be like that's the way to go just claw me to death
1: she looks like she probably could Make uh, she makes me look she looks, looks extremely explodes. fierce
0: <laughs> i'm so mean Confident I I don't know. I, I I just love it to death. Um, but that's the cut. You need you need a lawyer. This is again, um, in case you just joined us. I'm here with David Wallace. The specific reason for having this podcast is so people can maybe check out his GoFundMe, see if they can donate a couple bucks. Um, I don't know if I finished my thought earlier. David has basically 48 hours to answer this lawsuit with a lawyer in tow, or I don't know. Are you fucked? Like, what happens if you can't find a lawyer? Do, does the, the they didn't just automatically? judge the case against you and you owe me a million bucks right like, yeah i'm yeah. pretty sure
1: that's how it goes i'm
0: how can that be they have I to don't... prove it first don't they that, that that
1: i mean i got one ace in the hole in the whole thing in 1997 i got myself brazilian citizenship so everything else goes to hell i can go to brazil and you can't you can't extradite me for nothing
0: you know what because of your hair and what you just said i just pictured your taint <laughs> oh boy <laughs> i know <laughs> but anyways um I don't call it a taint. I call it I call
1: it a a, a, a fucking dirigno.
0: <laughs> a dirigno cushion. <laughs> a cushion. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is why I'm a little um, annoyed with uh, not a little annoyed, but really annoyed with mainstream media. Mainstream media at one time would have taken a story about a religious cult. They would have taken a story about a religious cult. And they would have ran with it until they milked it for every fucking dollar they could through clicks and subscriptions and whatever the fuck. this is a bad one. I mean, I I did some work before
1: for another crazy cult that likes Hollywood people, if you know what I'm saying. And they weren't even they weren't nutty like these people are. And they were their whole level of nutty. Yeah, but uh, wow, they never asked me to kidnap anybody.
0: No. I don't think it can be understated to, or overstated, um, that Gerald Shapur was for a while, the guy paying you, he would pay you through, uh, another law firm, but you saw, we have the receipts of the money originating from Gerald Shapur. Do we not?
1: Uh, I got, uh, my pay- payments would come through, uh, Alan Hallman.
0: Right. And, but uh, he I mean, would say in you messages, have
1: the receipts of me requesting my payment and, uh, And Gerald uh, shifting it off to Alan.
0: Yeah. And we have also Alan uh, mentioning, oh, Jerry sent me the money. I'll send it to you. Oh, yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. You got it on tape, too. So uh, another thing I learned recently from someone in the know um, in Alberta is that one of their favorite things to do is to attempt to entrap people by asking them to come to like a restaurant or a meeting to get them to say incriminating things on tape. I swear to God, I now know like four people that this has happened to um, again, political operatives for sitting premiers or sitting justice ministers or whatever. That's how they do things there. Yep. What I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. What is the main difference in the dirty politics between Alberta and Ontario? There's
1: a lack of sophistication in Alberta and um, but it's not really necessary because um, there's the, the corruption and the uh, the protection they have in the police department and in the courts runs very, very deep. Um, I mean, look, uh, this guy Holman, you you read the thing, I mean, uh, tried to set up an RCMP cop They took that tape and he dropped it trying to frame the guy. I mean, Come on. Come on. They're trying to set up feds. It's a lack of sophistication. It's more blunt force in Alberta. And uh, contrary to people's expectations with uh, uh, our uh, Ford nation, uh, there's a little more subtly, a little more, uh, uh, um, not from him, of course, but from uh, and not even from his staff, but from the power behind that. We're talking the money men, the people who built things in Ontario. There's a level of polish and sophistication in Ontario that is is non-existent in the uh, blunt force trauma world of political excess like Alberta has.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 actually kind of insane. Um, uh, if Jen is still in the comments somewhere, Jen Waddell, um, I view you as my researcher. Can you just check for me to see if you can find where Ratfucker sort of slotted as far as 22 or 2022 podcasts go? I'm just curious. Um, we only have like 12 minutes left, but I really want to sort of hammer down a few things here in case I haven't already. And I'm sorry if I sound redundant, but I, I really do think that this is important. Um, the, the importance of the stories that came out last year. Again, you're looking at David Wallace or you're listening to David Wallace depending on where you're getting this podcast from. That, uh, please understand, David Wallace is responsible. He's the first domino in every Plymouth Brethren Christian Church story or podcast I've ever done. Because if it were not for you um, contacting Richard and saying, they want me to hand you over to them and I just won't do it, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you, right? And and, and that doesn't mean that you were like, um intentionally like you know you know we must break all of these stories it wasn't really like that it was just that as time went on it just made the more most sense for you to do what you kept on doing but it opened up a whole new world for me so you did your job by not handing over richard and then we all kind of started to get to know each other you didn't even have to do anything after that because it, it was the the good thing was already done that's how i got to meet someone like cheryl hope who's, who's like a hero now of mine that that's why i got to meet people like lane admiral and uh, Lance Christie, who just won a case against the cult in the United Kingdom, Lance Christie. Oh, they hate
1: him.
0: They they hate Lance. And they do hate Lance. And in here, I, I'm. I hope Lance, I, I'm. I'm pretty sure Lance is listening, or he will. Lance is like one of those um, touchstone stories uh, where where everything has the potential to change. The Plymouth Brethren Christian Church cult. Found a way to get the crown to press charges against him, which are which right away is like what what for sending emails to people that he knew that were still inside calling the cult a cult, and somehow the crown thought it was suitable to press charges. Right? I don't understand that. I would love to find out why. But nonetheless, and it's got uh, really yeah. You never know, right? And and so so what happened was is that all of these witnesses quote unquote, um, the eight people that claimed that he was being harassed took the stand, two of which were his kids, okay? And the, the, <laughs> they, they danced around the answers. I kind of wish, I am not, not to sound arrogant, but I kind of wish I was there in the courtroom sitting beside Lance and his lawyer, because I would have been like, I would have been writing down questions like, ask them if they believe Bruce Hale speaks with Jesus to get all of this fucking shit on record. So that because it was a public trial, I know it sounds funny, but if you're the lawyer and and your client is there under har- harassment charges because he said to these people that they're in a cult, then doesn't that open the door to being like, well, let's find out if they're a cult. Do you think Bruce Hales can speak with Jesus? And one after another, they'd be like, well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, like that would not be a good look for this cult. Anyways, he was victorious anyways. He's also the only person that I have allowed to basically preach from a Christian pulpit while on my show. And I'd let him do it again because a, I know it comes from a good place with him, you know, and I've, I've totally softened my stance on, on, on religious people. As long as they're good people, I I don't care what you believe in. I really honestly don't. Um, No, that's the way it
1: should be. None of, I mean, but here's the problem. The people that we're talking about, they do care. And if you don't think exactly like they do, then you're not a person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. Um, but anyways, the point is, is that you were the first domino in all of these stories, all of these, like, like no one would know who Richard Marsh is or Cheryl Hope, or even the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church, Nahid Nenshi plot, or the Jonathan Dennis reporter hacking thing, or, um, the Doug Ford, uh, Russian money thing, or any of these things. None of pretty them soon they're going to know the end of the Sherman case too when we do part yeah. three. You're like the horn of plenty of horrible things the cult did. <laughs> Trying to build my IRA up. <laughs> don't say IRA. I'm going to get digged well, on YouTube now for terrorist, terrorism or something. Um, listen, I, I, I do not I expect this. What about the money markets? Yeah. Um, there's a whole bunch more. And you know what? This is what I will promise you if i ever ever publish a story that from information gleaned from you and they come after you i will put myself in the line of fire and then i have to start a gofundme page myself because i ain't got no money either but I will, I will take the spotlight off of you and protect you with my tattered wares and empty bank account because i i just think it's bullshit, and i'm going to say it just this is how we're going to end the podcast and Jesse, if you're listening, just know that David is not disrespecting you. I am, and I think I'm doing it for a good reason. Confessions of a Dirty Tricks operative. Your pilot series was called called Ratfucker. You stand by the information in your podcast series. You were sued for a million dollars along with David Wallace, who was the source of the information that you stand by in your series. And despite knowing that David doesn't have two dimes to rub together, and knowing that you have an endless trough of money because your bit strip cash and whatever else you couldn't even like let him be absorbed under the Canada land umbrella so that your lawyer could protect him at the same time. And I find that egregious and shitty. And um, I don't know why you're doing it like that. I don't understand what that two step is. How can you back up the information and then throw the guy that gave it to you under the bus? I don't get that. Maybe it's just cause I'm not, I'm not built like that. I, I wouldn't do that. Um but yeah um I I would I mean it would be amazing if Jesse Brown changes mind not because of all the sweet talking I'm doing necessarily but just because he has a crisis of conscience or something. I don't expect that to happen but I really wish it would. Well, it can happen in the strangest uh, places. It happened to me. Okay, what do you want to say before we go if anything? been quite a quiet i've been rambling this podcast but it was your telethon so you can't say too much Uh, well i'm
1: i'm uh you know i had a bad bout of uh bell's palsy there um stress but getting back on the road to recovery still having a little bit of problem speaking but uh i I imagine i'll be back up to speed in a week or two and um looking forward to getting the podcast started um and looking forward to again delving a little bit deeper into what we started with the, uh, Sherman case and, uh, looking forward to getting that wrapped up this year.
0: Absolutely. Um, well, listen, uh, David, I think we made 50 bucks, this podcast, but it's better than nothing. Um, you know what, uh, we I I don't even know. Like I, I'm gonna I'm not gonna sleep over the next day or so because I'm just gonna like go on a mission to try to see if we can find you either a pro bono pro bono lawyer or we can rally up the cash for you to pay whoever it needs to pay. What do you need? A statement of defense is that basically? Yeah, we have to
1: put that the case together and um, you know proceed to to have a lawyer. I mean, uh, even getting yourself in there with your statement of defense that uh, that you need a lawyer. I mean, I I want to fight these. Not only fight them. I want I want to sue these people. Yeah. Um, I, I, want, that's when they're going to start crying about slap suits. When you start suing them.
0: Have you thought of representing yourself? I know that that just until you can find a lawyer, like if you were just like saying no, if I morning. couldn't find a lawyer to tell you the
1: truth, I wouldn't step foot in the province of Alberta. I would don't recognize them as having a justice system. I have, I recognize them of, of having a system of injustice. Mm-hmm. And as far as I'm concerned, there's no way I could get any fair treatment in the province of Alberta. And that's just a fact.
0: Well, listen, um, I'll try to help you out over the next day or two. I have a couple of ideas in mind. I'll talk to you after the show. And by the way, none of the um, men or women watching could tell that you had maybe some slight um, uh, symptoms left over from the ball's palsy because everyone was staring at your gorgeous hair. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) David Wallace, thanks for joining us today, man. Have a good one. You too. I'm not good at really rallying troops in a telethon setting. Um, since this podcast started, $40, that's not bad. It's not bad. It's pretty good. Um, it's weird, eh? Like, the things that you see people, like, uh, get GoFundMe cash for, it's probably just that David and I have no fucking idea how to properly run a GoFundMe. Can we just say that out loud? Because that's probably what it is. However, nonetheless, I see people that get, like, um, uh, yeah, I... I needed a new pair of boots because I just started a job in, in a kitchen. And their goal is like 200 and they raised like $800 in like no time flat. But this guy's like, um, I single handedly broke all the biggest political stories in Canada in 2022. And now I can't pay my legal fees and corrupt people are trying to fucking sue me for a million dollars. Can I get some money crickets? It's fucking weird. We live in a really weird, weird world. I bet you if David had an OnlyFans account where it was just him all day going like this and put running his fingers through his hair, he'd make that fucking money in no time. David, we're going to have to get you an OnlyFans account. Okay. Um, my big thanks earlier to Chief Evan Bray, uh, who was on the show from the Regina Police Department. That was an interesting interview. Um, I think, guys, you should watch that interview because... I don't think you've ever heard a police chief talk like this before. So go find that podcast. I'll post it on Spotify in the next hour or so. Big thanks to David Wallace. Once again, his GoFundMe there is on the bottom. If you're listening and not watching his GoFundMe page is gofund.me slash F C 99 D 7 E 4. Rather than repeat myself, just rewind five seconds and listen to that again. Um, David needs your help, and I hope that uh, we can give it to him because God knows we've shaken that guy from the ankles and have uh, watched story after story fall out of his pockets, and uh, he hasn't gotten anything in return. Jesse Brown, I'm looking at you. Come on, man. It's time to do the right thing. We'll see you next time on Blackboard. Blackboard Black Black Blackboard Black 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 Blah, blah, goes everywhere the imagination dares it's for the open-minded the pleasure seeker it's
1: jeff woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality theme-based with special guests blue hotel hotline And every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story
0: get a room and listen in at the blue hotel Begins Friday, September 23rd. I'm Matt Cundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.